Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground, presented by thesciencefictionary.com. My name is Andrew Gore, and I'm here tonight with Marisha. Hey, everybody. And we're going to talk a little about what's going on in the world of Star Wars tonight. And we've got a, don't have a lot of new stuff right now, but we got May the 4th coming up real yeah. fast. You know, I, I'm not sure where we're going to be on this whole quarantine thing by then, but. We will be having a May the 4th party, even if it's just, if it's just us. It has been promised. And when you promise something to a five-year-old, you deliver. Or else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I did. We did find out some news earlier concerning May the 4th that um, Disney, Disney Plus, is going to launch a Mandalorian documentary on the making of the first season of The Mandalorian. Which is awesome. I'm excited. About, and I'm really hoping that there's like some kind of like little trailer or something at the end of it. Maybe. For season two. For it, season it, two. Maybe. Uh-huh. It makes sense. Um, I mean, they could be holding on to that for celebration. Yeah, but right now, celebration's really up in the air. Do they it's, really want to hold on to something for celebration? It's really not up in the air yet. If this is still going on when by the end of, when the end of June rolls around, then we'll see. Okay, that's fair. It's still a long ways out. Yeah, you know, pl- things like celebration, Dragon Con. I mean, they're still planning. You know, I wonder though, like what what number of people do you think decide to sell their tickets if even if they do decide to have celebration this fall, just to say, I don't want to be there with a hundred thousand other people. You know, I don't I don't really know how many tickets they sold. This venue's a little smaller than the Orlando venue. Mm-hmm. Um I still suspect that they will have a very large turnout if it moves forward. I'm sure, and it may not be the original people that bought the tickets. Yeah. But well, somebody's going to buy those tickets. Well, that's kind of what I figure. I figure they're, they're going to sell they're going to sell out one way or the other. But I'm wondering how many people who bought tickets a year ago are going to be like, eh, maybe not. I would say the biggest concern is going to be for people like us who live on the wrong side of the country for this event. Right. And have tickets. And if you're like me, I haven't had work in three weeks. Right. If I go another month without any work, I definitely couldn't afford to take off and, and do anything and go to Anaheim. Right. You know, I, I couldn't afford the air travel, let alone a hotel and the food for the week. Right. So I think that the the issue is not going to be as much the the people worried about the virus. I think people are honestly already getting a little tired <laughs> worrying about of, the virus. of worrying about the virus. And I think most, I think a lot of people are kind of moving towards, I'm going out. Right. <laughs> I saw somebody posted earlier online, that, I saw a post that said, I understand now why my dog tries to run out the door every time I open it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think some people are uh, beginning to, Get pushed a little too far with some of this stuff. And some people are going stir crazy enough that it might be worth risking their lives to well, <laughs> leave it's their the house. stir crazy, and then you've got the people that are you know you got them out there arresting people and oh. you know states that are wanting to force quarantine of infected people away from their families and mm. you know it's it's getting 
kind of iffy, and we're, we're not going to talk politics here, but I think that the effect on celebration in the end will be negligible. Mm-hmm. I think I th- I'm holding out hope that it's all going to happen. I'm holding yeah. out hope that all of our big fall cons are going to happen. Right. Um, I, I you know I hope Dragon Con happens. That's our big con. Um, I hope celebration happens, even though we can't be there. You know, I don't think they're going to start just throwing stuff out early because they're worried that it might not. Because you can't throw it all out early, right? And then not have anything left for celebration. Right. Now, I think that if Celebration is canceled, I think they probably push it to back to April of 2021, if I'm yeah. being honest. Yeah. Um, I don't think it'll be a full cancel. I think it'll be a postponement. They'll push it back to the spring date. I really don't know why. There's I, The only reason for them to go to a fall date was if they were looking to alternate D23 mm-hmm. and Celebration. Right. Because it, it fell on the date that they usually do D23. So unless they were just looking to alternate years on that, then there was really no good reason to do one this quick, frankly. Right. I mean, yeah, you might have done it. I mean, I don't know what the argument is. I mean, yeah, you've got a new season of The Mandalorian coming out. It's the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. And to me, that's as good of a reason as any to have a celebration. Right. But we're celebrating it month, you know, we're doing celebration months after the birthday of or the anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. Right. When the April dates would have been closer anyway. So unless they're trying to move this thing to the fall. Permanently. Permanently. Then it's going to get pushed back to that spring date for 2021 and they'll move forward with it from there. Yeah. And... If celebration happens, they're going to give us some stuff on, on on the date that was supposed to be celebration. We're going to get some stuff. You know, they're going to do some stuff online. We'll get yeah. we'll get something. Yeah, they're not going to hold all the announcements for another six months. Yeah, because surely they've got to be getting ready to announce a movie. It has to be. One would think. Well, I mean, I mean if you're going to stick to the schedule you've promised, you got to be gearing up to film the thing, right? You know, they promised us a movie for 2022, right? Seems like. Yeah, I don't Dece- remember. Yeah, 20, December 2022. It's supposed to be the next Star Wars movie release date. And there were some rumors that there might be something before that. Yeah. But. And honestly, that shouldn't get really this, all this quarantine and everything shouldn't really affect that because it's mostly people, you know, writers and. You know, people who don't necessarily have to be in an office. You, you know. can do a lot of casting work online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't do screen tests, obviously, right. and you can't do a lot of readings with, you know, cast members together. But you can begin the process. Right. You can get a good script. You can get all of your, your ducks kind of in a row. You know, get get your, your crew you well, know, I mean, hopefully big. they're doing those things and keeping some of these people working. Yeah, one would hope. As someone that currently can't work, I, I sort of envy anybody who can has some way to continue right. doing their job. But also on May the 4th, they're going to drop, that's apparently the date for the last 
episode of the man i'm sorry the last episode of the clone Wars. right which is super so exciting on, on that friday we'll get two things to watch from star wars right which is kind of cool because as you mentioned before the show started disney has really the may the 4th has pretty much exclusively been a fan thing mm-hmm. uh, disney and lucasfilm have never really embraced it I think last year it seemed like the Star Wars show acknowledged it a little more and did some stuff, but not, you know, that, but that's been it. Like they don't do anything else on those dates. I mean, Disney has never, even when they were just doing some Star Wars stuff before they really actually owned Star Wars. Right. Yeah. They never did anything for May the 4th. Right. So, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting to me that they're, Doing that because, you know, we've always been like, well, where is the, why is there nothing? Um, so maybe this is kind of the beginning of Disney and Lucasfilm, you know, kind of uh, jumping on that bat on that bandwagon. And they're clearly, it's not a coincidence that that's when they're releasing right. the Mandalorian. And, and I the, think for a long time, they just looked at it as a fan thing and never were concerned, but it's gotten bigger. How can you not look at bigger. just a fan thing and see dollar signs if you're Disney? True. I, I think sometimes for Disney, it's got to be the right number of dollar signs. Yeah. Which, I mean, they're not going to make any money on what they're doing this year. Right. Nobody's going out and getting Disney Plus to watch the finale of the Clone, the Clone Wars. Wars are this documentary right? that doesn't already have it. Unless they were some of those people who canceled their subscription after the Mandalorian was Maybe, over. but uh, apparently the one thing this uh, quarantine has been good for has been streaming services. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I think the streaming services are, are doing quite well. I'm a little disappointed. You know, I got the package when I got Disney Plus, so I got ESPN Plus and Hulu all in a package deal, there's nothing to watch on ESPN+. Plus. Right. So, yeah, we're not actually saving any money on our handy-dandy package. Well, we are. I mean, technically, it was... If you paid for Hulu and Disney... It was just land, yeah. Then it was just... It was basically a free add-on. Yeah. But... That's what we from New Orleans call land, yeah. It's a little something extra. For, for nothing extra. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully, uh, I mean, obviously we're going to have our May the 4th party and we might even have, I mean, I'm sure there's some other folks out there with announcements. and Yeah, I, I, I think there probably are. I know I've seen some kind of chatter on Twitter, several different groups of people talking about stuff that there's going to be announcing on May the 4th. So that's exciting. Uh, maybe we could get some kind of. I know what we should do. We should get the Padawans. We should have a live chat for May the 4th. That would be fun. Maybe even we could do something on YouTube. Yeah. They would like that. Yeah, we'll figure something out. We'll have our party, and then we'll we'll do something, something live. Maybe get some uh, some guests on. and mm-hmm. That would be very fun. See what happens. But um, some of the things we want to talk about, I was going to actually open with this that I kind of – I noticed earlier in the week, and I or last week really, and I never really read any of it. We did get some new character profiles for some of our High Republic characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I mean, I'm I'm pretty excited about all of this stuff. Yeah. Now, you know, we will have to see what happens with comic books between now and this fall. Right. You know, with Diamond 
pulling the plug on everybody's publishing or distributorship. Right. I mean, Diamond distributes everybody's, including Marvel and IDW, who are handling these two books. I wonder, though, if this may be the end of that, because I don't expect Disney being willing to just sit around after this quarantine is over and just not, you know. Unless I mean, but I mean, I don't know if Disney wants to put the money. I mean, Disney's this is hurting Disney. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, they're pushing all their movies for the year. Their parks are, you know, suffering. They've laid off or furloughed countless. Yeah park staff members and i don't think disney's gonna be looking to run out the gates and, and create their own dis their own distributing channel yeah that's probably true i mean jeez can you um i mean how much money does disney parks lose every day they're not open i can't even imagine that kind of money Speaking, you know, speaking of this high republic stuff i mean how about the look how about that really 20s art nouveau aesthetic they've got going i am here for it yeah i'm i'm kind of curious to see where some of these character designs go i don't love the character designs or at least i hope they evolve some of them i really like some of them are very classic jedi looks so going into them we'll start with avar chris avar chris and the the I'm read the comment under it. avar is the brightest most noble example of jedihood she always tries to see the good in people in situations, never puts herself first. She is invigorated about life on the frontier and the challenges it brings and is an inspiration for those who work with her. She is compassionate, not dogmatic, and always ready to sacrifice herself over others. Avar Chris is the best of the best. She's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Eh, yeah, but like we're building her up to be this characters like Superman. Right. Always have issues. Right. You know, perfect, unflawed characters are not relatable. The thing is, is a lot of times these people with these, they're so noble, mm -hmm. end up looking more like they're looking down their nose at the people they're saving. Who's writing this this story? Do you, do you so remember? I honestly don't know which characters are in which story. Okay. And this here doesn't necessarily... Tell us. This says... Our first five, five Jedi from Star Wars, The High Republic. I don't know if that's referring to... That's the name of the, the comic book series, right? Okay. But I don't know if they're referring to the, the comic series or, or The, the High Republic as a right. whole. So I, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I know the people writing. You've got Charles Soule, Kevin Scott, Claudia Gray... And a couple of other people whose names I can't remember mm -hmm. because those are the three that I was most interested in. Right. Um, one, I'm not really likely to read the the young adult comic. I mean, the children's comic or the the uh, young adult book. My Unless kids, Claudia Gray writes it. Claudia Gray is writing. I'm sorry. Claudia Gray is writing the young adult novel. And that's not what I was referring to. There's a junior novel. Okay. Uh, I'm not likely. I'm just using the wrong words okay. i'm not likely to read the junior novel okay so I, I haven't really i can't remember the the name and I, but i know i knew these three names right this could be characters from kevin scott's mm -hmm. he's writing the ongoing comic series okay right charles soul is writing the main novel right and claudia gray is writing the young adult novel now that may be that we're getting characters and they're going to be interwoven throughout the whole 
Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I don't like that, actually, but that may be what they're doing. Okay. I like the idea of this era because supposedly we're going to an era when where we don't have restrictions put on what's being written. Right. But if all of the people are writing the same characters, then you're right back in the same boat. Then all of a sudden you have lots of limitations on the stories you can tell. Yeah. yeah I would have been sense. a lot happier if they had just gone back and like said, Charles Soule is writing in this era, set 500 years before. I didn't necessarily need a whole panel of people writing in the era. I'm fine with it. Unless it starts to be a hindrance to the other writers where they're stepping all over each other's stories. Yeah, so I guess it'll just we'll just have to wait and see how they do that. Yeah. I mean, because clearly they've been working a lot together, kind of trying to flesh out sort of a feel and a look and a you right. know, all of that. Um, you know, and and you can't you know, like Claudia Gray's written existing characters and several Star Wars writers have have done really phenomenal things with existing characters but yeah it would be it would also be i might rather see one author write about this character you know maybe see them interact a little bit but not necessarily have crossover between characters not not necessarily three media that focus on primarily the same group of characters or the same character with you know like their you know now i do think from the descriptions i have read that they're not all using these. They may be interwoven, but there are characters who are the main character to each of the different stories. Right. So that that does help. Yeah. Well, because they're you not can, all writing the same main character. Right. Well, and because you can have people kind of jump in as as sort of a, an aside in your story, and you just you know, as long as you are familiar with what's already been written about that character, you just sort of write them in and then you right. move on. It's fine. This works fine if you have five writers who, I'm, you know, just being honest, after watching the way some of them interact on Twitter, I have a hard time believing these five people are all going to be totally on the same page. Right. Some of them are absolutely awesome people on Twitter, and some of them are very abrasive on Twitter. That's fine and all. But if these people can't get along, right. this will be a colossal mess. It's true. Now, I do want to point something out. Okay, so one, this is my least favorite piece. People are not wrong to be kind of going after this piece of art for this character, for, for Avar Chris. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a problem with drawing a character in a way where you can tell if it's a man or a woman. I mean, this, somebody pointed out this looks like Jason Mewes in a dress, and I, it does. I mean, I when I looked at it, it it you know it's very Legolas. I I kind of figured it was you know I figured it was a guy. I just I, maybe it's a, a kind of effeminate looking guy, maybe you know with the long hair and the kind of I assumed it was a guy. Right. So I'm not surprised that there are dozens now of people redesigning this character just because. You know the the clothes are the clothes are fine. Although I have a problem with the the dress with the clothing as well on a couple okay. of these characters. When you look at this image, does this uphold what we know as the ideals of the Jedi? We're told she's the Jedi of all Jedi. It's a lot more showy than what it's we very see. showy. Hmm. Very look at me, I'm a Jedi. It's, I mean, I like the gold and the, I think the gold and the, the cream is pretty. If this was garb that was worn in the temple. Right. 
That's one it thing. It reminds me but of... But if you go out into the frontier, which is what they're supposed to be doing, wearing that... Right. Well, then I... Then you're basically, you go back to, like, the early days of the Roman Catholic Church, and you get these bishops and priests and people going out and they're in these extravagant I mean dressed like kings mm -hmm. and they're going out and they're just the the first thing you do is you look at them and go well they're you either go they're better than me or you say well they think they're better than me and right you know I wonder if maybe this isn't where we find out why the Jedi you know because there's a lot of people have complained about like why do the Jedi dress like Peasants from Tatooine, you well, know. And that's what I wanted to bring Hardy, up because we've hard. talked about that before. And, and you've made some really good points on that. That Because people always say, well, why do the people on Tatooine already dress like Jedi? It's like, because the Jedi are monks. They right. dress like the common people. Right. They don't dress like the rulers or the wealthy. Mm -hmm. They dress like common people. Right. Because it's, not a, it's, a, it's about non-attachment. Right. Well, in, in, in a similar way to how, you know, martial arts practitioners wear what is very reminiscent of traditional clothing in, in a lot of Eastern countries, you know, just kind of slacks and a, you know, sort of a robe that it ties, you know, it's the, the same, that's the same way that the Jedi sort of have a, they just sort of dress in a nondescript way that's probably traditional in many parts of the galaxy. But yeah, a lot of these pictures, they remind me a lot of like the temple guards in what we've already seen. So I wonder if maybe they are some kind of ceremonial clothes that we're seeing pictures of as opposed to their everyday like... Maybe, but we got some of these other characters. I mean, so we've got five characters. Like this version of it, same color scheme. But and which character is that? This is for a character named Ver uh, Vernestra Rawo. This is way more like classic mm -hmm. Jedi look. I like it. This is my favorite of all of the character designs. Yeah, and this is this is our young Jedi, right? Um, let's see. It says Vern is a newly minted Jedi Knight. Vernestra Miralon was Padawan to Stellan Gia. She worked hard and is devoted to the Jedi Order, most so than most others her age. At 16, she is one of the youngest knights in a generation. She struggles to fit in with the adults, while also setting a good example for the younger Jedi. Possibly descriptive-wise, maybe one of the most problematic characters, in that you felt like you had to have a young character, and she had to be a Jedi Knight. Right. It's fine, but, you know, you're, you're even admitting in your description it's unusual. Mm-hmm. And most 16-year-olds, like if you're wanting 16-year-olds to relate or even younger kids to relate, they're not going to relate to being the Jedi Knight as much as they would a Padawan. Right. And someone who's still learning. So, I don't know. I don't have a big problem with any of these. It's not like I'm just tearing them apart. But my biggest gripe is with the some of the, the outfits and that, they don't seem to fit with what we've seen of Jedi in the past and, and they're mm -hmm. they, you know, wearing clothes that are just not overly showy. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it'll be interesting. Well, now this character here, let's see. This is Keeve Trennis. is a young firebrand Jedi believed to have a great future ahead of her if only she would believe in herself, believe it herself. Quick-witted and more impulsive than she should be, Keeve has only been a Jedi Knight for a few weeks and is a little starstruck around Avar, knowing many of the great things Chris has done in the past. She is determined to prove herself to Avar and the other legendary Jedi stationed on Starlight Beacon. 
but first she must learn to trust in herself as much as she trusts the Force. I mean, her, her outfit's pretty traditional Jedi-looking. It's very traditional. I actually like it. There's a little more armor look to it mm-hmm. than the others. Again, I, I guess if you're wanting, I don't know where this character is going to show up. Right. But again, the Jedi that's unsure of herself. Mm-hmm. Like that's that doesn't, not generally your hallmark of your Jedi Knights. I mean, that doesn't. Yeah. So it seems to me that that's an odd decision to have a character that's just not sure of herself. Mm-hmm. It seems like that that's a to f- pass the trials. It seems like that's a deal with it before you get knighted kind of issue. Yeah. I think that's mostly what we've seen so far. Although, you know, I guess we could see that the things may have been uh, different in the order maybe at this point. I mean, clearly based on some of the aesthetics they're going with, it seems like there it's definitely something altogether different. What I was actually talking about, though, about the aesthetic that I really liked is that emblem that they have at the top behind the the High Republic. It's very, yes. um, yeah. it's very... Um, Great Gatsby kind of yeah, yeah. looking. Yeah, it's, I, it's a neat logo. I'll be curious to see if this symbol has any meaning or if it's just a design. Mm-hmm. I bet it has meaning. It's Star Wars. <laughs> Probably. Symbols tend to be uh, significant. But it's just a matter of what it is. Because like, I don't know that we necessarily needed a new symbol for the Order 500 years before. Right. That's the thing that I've been harping on. Maybe that's the Starlight Base symbol. Isn't that the... Maybe. I, but that's the thing I've kind of been harping on is I don't I don't think Lucasfilm and, or Disney or whoever is making the decision, I really feel like they're trying to compress the timeline. Mm-hmm. where the order should have been around for thousands of years. I feel like they're trying to compress that and make the length of time that, that things have been happening in this galaxy much shorter. Mm-hmm. I could be totally off on that, but that's, that's the way it feels with the way they're handling right. some of this stuff. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, I'm still, I'm still excited to see. They've got some really impressive talent working on it. So I'm curious to see where they decide to go with it. Right. Well, the three art, the three authors I named, Mm -hmm. I mean, this art, who cares? I mean, it has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with the stories that, you know, other than Kevin Scott, who's writing a comic book, you know, hopefully whoever is, I have no doubt that Kevin Scott will write a strong book. Will the art match? Another character we've got here is Loden Greatstorm. That's a cool name. Loden is a Twi'lek Jedi Master, and it's considered to be one of the best teachers in the Jedi Order, strong and wise, and a good sense of humor. Loden looks at every moment as a learning experience, always trying to better himself and those around him, especially his Padawans. I don't love... Okay, I'm noticing a trend. I'm seeing... Characters whose only flaws are they just don't believe in themselves enough. They just don't have enough confidence. That's not an interesting well, flaw. Where do you see that as a character trait? No, I, just kind of as all of them together. That was the two young Jedi, basically. I didn't say that about the first. About the but first the first two. two were perfect. Right. That's the other thing. The first two were basically perfect Jedi. And but the only the only flaws we're seeing set forth for anyone is lack of confidence that's not an interesting and let's not kid ourselves that's not a realistic only flaw you know i'm not sure where 
the idea kind of came into being that if only we all believed in ourselves a little more, we would fix all the world's problems because that just ain't so. Right. I'm not totally sure about some of these designs. Again, the character designs, if these turn out to be like these are when they're in the temple or whatever it is on the the star base or, or whatever it is they're on. Yeah. I don't think they call them star bases. <laughs> no, so it's pretty long franchise. is very trick sort of. Um, you know, if, if that's what's going on, then fine. But, like, if this is what they're traipsing around the galaxy wearing. Right. I, I mean, I'm just saying, that's not a very, that this one's dragging the ground. That the, is not a traipsable get up. He ever tried to walk in not, something that drags the ground not, on all sides? You're not fighting in this. You're not you're not walking in that, Andrew. <laughs> I'm just here to say you I have tried to walk in something well, it's that like, like you read the you know, you read in the Bible where the, the men would have to like gather their robes to run. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm I'm picturing with this character. He's gotta is, like pull it is, up and tie it around his waist. It's that same sort of sort of thing. It's like you're not you're not doing anything functional. In something that drags the the floor in, in 12 inches all the way around you. I mean, it looks cool in a picture. And I'm pretty sure there's not like any kind of hoop under it. Like Queen Amidala's got that thing going on, but it's got a, you know, it's like floats. It's out from your feet. Yeah. I'm just saying, having worn... I, I did. I made one of my first costumes I made when I was like 16. I found a picture of like this this medieval dress that was long like that. You know, drag the floor all the way around. And I was like, yeah. oh, that'll be so fun. It wasn't. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> all right. So we got one more character profile here. This is Stellan Geos. Stellan is an optimistic and well-respected Jedi Master. Stellan came up through the Order with Avar Christ, And although they are often on different assignments for the Jedi or the Republic, when the two work together, they are a powerhouse team of two noble heroes in action. Strong in the Force... And a natural teacher, Stellan is currently stationed at one of the Jedi Temple outposts on the distant planet of Karagon, Karagon Viner. Viner. I don't know. They're giving us all these new words. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, again, this is a better... It's, it's essentially the same costume that... Or the same clothes that Avar Chris is wearing. Mm-hmm. But... The character is actually standing like a human being, right? And carrying their lightsaber like you know you would hold a weapon. Hey, that's actually it's actually got a cross. Um, that has a cross guard on the saber. Cross guard, that's cool. Is it actually does the cross guard light up or is it just metal? Mm, doesn't appear to. Oh, that's interesting. So we'll see. I do see this symbol repeating on all the fronts. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see what that is. Like I said, I bet that it's um, it has to do with that outpost. Well, see, we also have this idea that all Jedi weren't always trained at the Temple on Coruscant. Mm, that's interesting. So, could you know, maybe this could be the symbol of a different temple. I don't think we've seen any indication that these people were trained on Coruscant yet. No, because we haven't, and we also don't see the what we recognize as the Jedi symbol anywhere. It'll be interesting to see what it is. I, I know I bashed those characters pretty good. I don't hate them. I'm just gonna have to see. I have a lot of confidence in the writers. And honestly, writing. it may just it may just be that the you know 
it may be thirty that word descriptions were weren't very to good. Give away right now. Yeah. Um, because I'm sure there's much more to them than just that. You could say accurate things about just about anyone in thirty words and give a really incomplete picture of who right. they are. You know. But I'm I'm just gonna say, perfect characters, and you've got three of them here. Out of your five, you've got three that are perfect characters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and when I say that, I mean they're, they they don't have flaws apparently. Right. That will be really, really, really boring. Well, maybe they just don't want to tell us exactly what because that tends to be your interesting conflict kind of things. Like whenever you start finding out, you know, that Mace Windu's kind of arrogant and Yoda's a little too confident in his ability to see the future, and you know what I'm saying. Whenever you start to to realize these people's flaws, those are kind of important story points. True. So maybe they don't want to give away the story points. Um, Here were the other authors' names. It's Justina Ireland, who I believe is writing the junior novel. Okay. And DJ Older, who is writing the IDW, so more the kid-centric comic book series. You should go check them out. Uh, you know, the characters, I don't hate the idea, but they're very much like what I would expect. And that may be exactly what these are. Most of these costumes are what I would expect to see someone wearing. Like I said, they look like the temple guards. Yeah. That we've seen. Those are pretty much the only people that we've still seen dressing like that. Well, there's only one. Oh, look, he's even got a, he's even got a yellow saber. Yeah. So there's only one, and that would be Loden Greatstorm, the Twi'lek. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that, like, he ain't fighting in that. Right. It's like, yeah, you it's 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 comic book. You can do it. But in reality it's real stupid. And the sleeves are really unreasonable too. And if you ever had any hope of making this character live action, you ain't doing the costume like that. No. Uh, these others are functional. My problem is not in functional. Right. These are actually somewhat reminiscent of stuff we saw in Knights of the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. Are Star Wars: The Old Republic, the the uh, RPG, mm-hmm. sort of reminiscent of some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just that they're. I'm a little taken back by how showy some of the stuff is. Right. I really like the costumes of Keeve Trennis and Vernestra Rowe. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are neat. This one's actually very reminiscent of Luke. Mm-hmm. Vanessa v- v- Rowe. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it's got a little more gold color to it, which is a theme we've seen through all of these. And I guess we're seeing the gold because this this whole idea of the High Republic, you right. know, opulence. Mm-hmm. I don't know that opulence is a good look. On a Jedi. For a bunch of warrior monks. Well, like I said, I think that, that there may be some lead up into why the more a like in a time when there's no war when there's no conflict because that's right. one of the things they talk about this but again they're going out into the frontier mm-hmm. and i hope by the end to see a little bit grungier look to the uh mm-hmm. a little more war-torn look to the the clothing yeah Anyway, need to move on from there. The other thing we wanted to talk about, we actually had a couple things to talk about, but I want to talk about the new writer on the Obi-Wan series. Yeah. Joby Harold. It's an interesting 
Interesting choice. You know, there's been all this talk. You know, it's like you had a writer. You didn't like him. You you kicked him to the curb. You went and you, you're going to get this new guy. And I, I kind of start hoping that Disney is past. And they've even kind of said it. Lucasfilm, as far as basically experimenting with writers or filmmakers or I, mm-hmm. if this isn't an experiment, I don't know what is. Yeah. You know, unless this guy walked into the office at Lucasfilm with one hell of a pitch. Which he may he may have walked in with one hell of a script, Andrew. It's true. I mean, the thing that I do notice about him, the, the curious thing about his IMDb page is that he has only ever written five things. Mm-hmm. One of them was a movie that he wrote and directed called Awake back in 2007. Which is dark. Yeah, it's pretty pretty dark, but he, and then he did King Arthur: Legend of the Sword a couple of years ago, which I don't yeah. think was real well loved. That's not a like huge. Mm, I and, didn't love the movie. Yeah, he did the story and the screenplay for that, and I haven't seen it, so I, I'm I don't have a whole lot to say I about did. it. I know that it wasn't real well received. It was weird. I mean, it was. It would have been fine if you hadn't decided to call it King Arthur. Right. Well, Which that, is why whenever he starts writing Obi-Wan, we're like, I'm like, I mean, but like, if we had to do something totally different with King Arthur, can, can, how confident am I that you're not going to do something totally weird with Obi-Wan? That, that has honestly been the big problem with movies done about King Arthur. That's true. Is that they, they, they like the idea of King Arthur, but they don't want to use the Arthurian legends. They just want to write their own story and call it King Arthur. Right. I mean, which is a time-honored thing to do with King Arthur, but you have to at least integrate some of the story other than just the sword and the stone. You like you should use at least a few plot points that have been used before. Right, but I mean, who has ever made a good version? Movie? Yeah. A Camelot was pretty good. But I, I mean, I that movie is 50 years old now. I would say when you go back to the Arthurian legends that nobody, no one has made a movie that stacks up. It's a lot like Dune in that way. And that you've got these fantastic stories. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be rewritten. We need to make a good one of the story we've got. Right. And nobody's pulled it off, at least not in modern filmmaking. Not lately. Whatever. I, I don't know anything about that. You, I mean, you watched it. I mean, I, I, did, I never heard much good about it. But the curious thing is, is that a man who wrote two movies over 10 years suddenly has three movies or, or a TV series and two movies, one in post-production and two announced. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. Like he's got one coming out and is, written, is currently writing two more. I don't know. Maybe he's decided that this is what he wants to do and maybe he's just that good. So the fact that people are all of a sudden jumping on the Jovi Herald bandwagon is interesting. I'm not just not sure. It is interesting. I just don't know what it means. Right. It's like, and, and, and with a character like Obi-Wan, my question is, what has he done to make you think that he can write this character? Right. Especially during this time of his life. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, maybe he walked in the office with a script or at least a story. So I'll be curious to see where it goes, but... It's kind of a shock. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that turned heads when everybody, when it was announced, because everybody went, who? Right, exactly. Because, I mean, he's really not done, the only things he's done of note, he was an executive producer on. 
Right. Which means, you know, he may not have done anything. Right. You know, some people are listed as executive producers for for all sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. And they may not be doing a thing. Yeah. You know, they may have contributed something along the way and was like, well, if I'm going to do this, you're going to list me as a... A producer, yeah. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. I mean, he's been executive producer on some good stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between being an executive producer on something and writing the story. Yeah. I don't know. I'm really curious to see. I just hope, I really hope that this is just, it's going to, the script is going to be good. And that's the last we're going to hear about drama on a Star Wars project for at least the next two years. You know, though, it's not just Star Wars. It's like, I don't understand. It's it, Studios keep hiring people to write stories. And then they fire them because they didn't like the story. And it, and it starts making, and then they still, and then they finish the movie. They hire a new writer, they finish it, and it's crap. Right. And then you start going, well, what did the other guy have? Right. I mean, this isn't me just talking Star Wars. This is across the spectrum uh, things doing this. And it's like, what is going on? Is the quality of writing gotten that bad? Or have we just gotten to the point where studios are micromanaging things so much? And, I mean, it's it's possible that by the time we get a script, it's been cobbled together by a half a dozen different people. True. You know, and you just don't even... I mean, because the more people start, you know, rewriting something, the the less cohesive it's going to be. Right. And so it may just be a matter of the script, the, you know, the studio says, do this, do this. And the writer finally says, no, they're like, fine, we'll get somebody else to do it. Somebody else does it. You know, it's it's like everything else that's written by a committee instead of by a person. Art is not a committee project. Right. So, you know, in script writing is like everything else. It's an art. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. I, I tend to think that it is the latter, that it is studios having this on, ha, already having made up their mind exactly how they want the story to go. Mm-hmm. And they insist on having certain things either included or excluded. Mm-hmm. And then they don't like what the writer comes up with. Right. Either because the writer struggled under their, under their guidelines or because the writer tried to skirt the the rules or the skirt the guidelines and write right. it the way they wanted to anyway the studio didn't like it right you know i don't know what all's going on there it's like i don't i don't have an inside view into this but something's wrong right and that's not just star wars that's across the board in movies mm-hmm. right now you know and then and then what happens is whenever you finally get the movie made somebody doesn't like it and then they want to see the original version that that other guy did. We want to see the version. We want to see the Snyder cut. We want to see, you know, all the, the JJ that, cut. we want to see the JJ cut, or we want to see Chris Terrio's version of the movie, you know, that he was writing back before they fired him and hired somebody else, you know, and it just becomes a thing where I love the rise of Skywalker, but there's been so much conversation around. If only you had let that guy write it. If, if they had just done less drama in the first place, this wouldn't... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, they've got a writer. They're moving forward. So maybe this is something that'll still happen on time. I don't think they were... 
really set to start shooting this until like next January. Obi-Wan, they had already started shooting. No. No? No. Okay. No, Obi-Wan... That was not true? I don't recall anybody ever saying that. Oh, maybe I dreamed it. Um, there were some, they were, they were on set for Cassian and they pulled similar thing there where they threw the writer out and brought Sent up, everybody home. And sent everybody home. And I really thought that that's what they had said about. They kind of said that about Obi-Wan, but it didn't make sense. I don't really know. They could have been getting ready to work on it, but I do know what Ewan McGregor said mm-hmm. was that this would not delay the release Right. Of this show. Right. That they were going to start filming later than they had planned. But it was, they were going to have, it was going to be sitting there for so long after they finish it, it wasn't going to make a difference, basically. Yeah. So, um, we'll see what happens. But anyway, the last thing we wanted to talk about was something that I think we can talk about without being a little bit negative, (laughs) which I guess we kind of have been. But the second arc of the Clone Wars. Yes. And granted, that has gotten some real negative feedback from from some groups. I, I yeah, but mostly from people who don't like the Clone Wars to start with. That's part of it. I mean, I've noticed a lot of people who were like, "Well, I don't really like the Clone Wars, but I sure hated that haircut." Well, who cares <laughs> if you don't like the Clone Wars, then what do you care about the hair on one of I, the characters? I yeah, I don't really get being upset about a haircut on an animated character too much, but Right. I mean, like Ahsoka's got you know, like fat blobs on her head. <laughs> I mean, seriously, she's got blue and white fat blobs. Are we really going to complain about somebody else's hair? I'm just saying. If that's the biggest thing you've got to complain about, then I mean, shouldn't you be happy if that's your biggest complaint with Star Wars right now? But it's not, I promise. Well, I said this on Twitter the other day, and I stand by it. The Bad Batch arc was terrific. Mm-hmm. This arc, I was. It's not. It's not great. The last episode was a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought the th- the first three episodes of this arc, they're okay. They're not great. Yeah. But it's a good, as far as arcs in the Clone Wars, it's still better than an awful lot of arcs in the Clone Wars. Yeah. There's some real bad arcs in the Clone Wars. Some really boring, mm-hmm. you know, what what you would call, a, you know, filler episodes. There are whole arcs of filler episodes. So the, the first arc was okay. I mean, the first arc was great. I really liked the Bad Batch arc. Mm-hmm. I know people had some complaints, but I thought overall it carried the spirit forward of the original I know people are upset about the nose art. I I had no problem with the nose art. I kind of hate that they didn't leave it. I didn't necessarily need them to mention it, but it could have still been there and just not mentioned. But the the scene that they changed that out for, which was Anakin actually talking to Padme, right, is a much much better, more important scene. Yeah. So you've got the first arc was great. Second arc is is okay. There are far worse arcs in the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and we're shaping up to have one hell of a four of a third arc. Yes, for sure. And this this season is well on its way to being the best season ever of the Clone Wars. If you think that the the second arc of this season was the worst Clone Wars arc ever, you need to go back and rewatch the Clone Wars. <laughs> 
I love the Clone Wars. There are some terrible arcs. Well, and I think that it's important to to kind of make a distinction because if, if Ahsoka goes directly from I'm leaving the Jedi Order to the next time we see her, she's showing up on Mandalore, contacting the Jedi Order, well then you know, sort of her her trying to put some kind of distance yeah. it is sort of um it's less significant. It's and, and even in this situation, it's almost a little rushed. Yeah. It's it's honestly you would have probably liked to have had at least half a season, a full length season of right. Ahsoka <coughs> Doing, being away from the order. Yep. And and I haven't read the Ahsoka book yet. I've got it over, but you've read it and you said this meshes fairly well yeah. with the Ahsoka in those books. She I mean, she she kind of manages to just sort of land in a series of situations where people, you know, are in some kind of trouble. You know, she just sort of always manages to land somewhere where she's trying to bail somebody out of something. Yeah. You know, it's almost like it's faded or something. Yeah. You know, almost like she has a destiny. So what did you think about this arc overall? Um, I mean, it wasn't... I mean, I'm not going to lie... The only thing I really wanted to see from this series, like the Bad Batch is, is great, and but I was mostly excited about all the, the Ahsoka stuff we saw in the trailer. I was excited about seeing her, you know, on a hologram with Anakin. I was excited about seeing the clones with the repainted um, masks or the, the repainted helmets. Um, that's really what I was excited about. But like I said, I think it's... It, shows us a little more who who she's trying it, it who she's trying to become you know her it's it's her trying to work out who am i if i'm not a jedi who am i if i'm not anakin skywalker's padawan um and i think that that's really important i think that's important for her arc for her to to sort of grapple with those things a little bit and to realize that everyone doesn't necessarily see the Jedi as the heroes. Although everyone sort of has in their idea that the Jedi are supposed to be heroes, the Jedi haven't been heroes to everyone. Um, and I think that some of those sorts of realizations are important for who she becomes and are important for her assertion later on in Rebels saying, I'm not, I'm no Jedi. You know, she's like, she's making a statement um, that it's important to her that she has severed that tie. What did you think about the new characters? The new characters were fine. I mean, I didn't love, I, I honestly feel like they're pretty par for the course for, you know, kind of here they are for four episodes. Um, Clone Wars characters, yeah. you know, they're kind of irritating. Um, they're they're. You see a lot of flaws in them. Well, and she's she's. They're meant to show flaws, and they're meant to show that to allow Ahsoka to shine. Right, and I mean, like the, the you they're know, they're out for themselves. They're they're kind of what she's trying to go be. Is this? I'm going to go out. I'm going to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leave this life behind. Yeah. And instead she can never stand to see one. Right. Living like that. Right. 
You know, and I think, like I said, um, the I don't I'm, I'm going to blank on names here, but the the character, the Mandalorian, you know, character that that Ahsoka comes in contact with the nephew, the nephew, um, they're the one who was Empress, not Empress, Duchess Satine's nephew. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. I don't remember. You know, they they fought and they you know nyan and they you know we we saw. The character that Padme was kind of interacting with from the banking clan, you know, was I just like I said, I feel like they're pretty typical side characters from the Clone Wars. Yeah. You know, they I think they're intended to kind of rug people the wrong way a little bit because they're I mean, they create all of the the thematic issues for this arc, you know, their their lack of ability to function in you know in the way in the world that they live in that that's what creates all of the drama in this entire arc right so i don't think they're intended to be necessarily anybody's favorite i mean not that they can't be good characters but they're really their purpose is just like any other side characters that we've come across is sort of to drive ahsoka's story forward and i think they do that well yeah I did appreciate, you know, one of the things I've always said about Ahsoka, and I think it was really the point Filoni was trying to drive home with her, is, yeah, she left the Order, but she's still what a Jedi is supposed to be. Right. It's like, she can be that and be a part, you know, be separated right. from the Order, because the Order is losing its way, and that's what she's seeing. Right. She thinks she has to leave it behind, but in doing so, she becomes more of what our ideas of a Jedi are, you know, the most Jedi Jedi we've ever seen was Qui-Gon Jinn. Right. Who was someone who constantly rubbed the council the wrong way. Right. And who was always kind of skirting the edge of leaving his own self. I did appreciate that we had a character, one of the Martez sisters, actually acknowledge that fact that, that we've always thought that that's, thought that about Ahsoka and mm -hmm. have to have a character say, well, you know, you are what the Jedi are supposed to be, or at least what I, I want them to be. Mm -hmm. yep. So we simultaneously acknowledge that there's something wrong with the Jedi. Right. And that there's, and that Ahsoka is what Jedi are supposed to be. That was my favorite thing about the entire arc was, yeah. was that little moment. Yeah. Uh, but the last arc, the last episode of the arc was a lot of fun. I mean, we got to it see was. Ahsoka a little bit in action. Yeah. I'd be glad to see Ahsoka with some lightsabers back in her hands. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in the Pikes, the Pikes are always good uh, villains. Yeah. And she really doesn't like the Pikes. No. I, I can, I, anytime you can draw in the syndicates of any, you know, mm -hmm. any of the syndicates, right. it's, it's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, and the Pikes are a good one. So I, I was uh, real glad to see. Saw more of the Pikes than I honestly thought we would. Yeah, I didn't expect the Pikes to really be the primary villain for a couple of episodes there. So that that was a lot of fun. I know that there are some people that didn't like it, but the truth is, is some people just don't like anything Star Wars anymore. That's the truth. And their only goal is to let you know it. Yeah. And then there are some people who just legitimately didn't like it. I, 
but I, I really enjoyed it. I think it fits well with the Clone Wars we've seen before. Yeah. I think we've seen, even though the second arc was slower than I would have liked, we've seen mm-hmm. a little bit of, we've seen some growth from Ahsoka, which mm-hmm. we need to see to believe that Ahsoka is who she ends up being by the time we see her in Rebels. Right. You know, yes, she leaves the Order, but she she doesn't walk away from her her path. Right. You know, is what we end up eventually seeing. Right. The trailer for the last arc looks absolutely bonkers. It really does. It looks... That was the other thing that I was thinking we needed to talk about was that trailer. Um, yeah, it looks great. I'm super excited about it. And I, I expect to start getting action pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I expect... I mean, she's not going to Mandalore for a tea party. Right. And it's got to get bad fast for her to be interest to, to her to have any interest in reaching out to Anakin. Right. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I'm still very, very curious to see where they end this. Ashley Eckstein said to prepare to cry. You know, I've, I've wondered all along if we would get to see Order 66. I think we will. Or if we're going to just see the moments just before. Right. I want to see the moment, although they got to get it right because they've already kind of given us an insight into the last time Ahsoka saw. Yeah. Saw Anakin. So they got to, you know, they can't screw that up. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to nail it. Yeah, I'm excited. No, I mean, it's going to be good to have Maul back. I mean, you know that fight, you know, the, the ramifications of that fight are big, but she can't kill him. Right. You know, she can't. Really curious to see how they're going to handle all that, but I'm just excited to see a fight that Ro- that uh, Ray Park mocapped for. That's what I'm excited about is the fact that they actually mocapped the fight for an animated series. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited. I mean, I say it's amazing. I mean, they do that with video games, right? But we don't often get that in animated series, right? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm excited about it. I think I already said that. But I still am, by golly. I'm still excited about it, just like I was five minutes ago. All right. Well, so at the at the uh, before we risk beginning to repeat ourselves, I think we're going to call it an episode. And next week, we'll probably shift a little further away from news, because there isn't going to be any. It's true. And get back into some topics. If you missed last week's episode, we talked about our favorite Star Wars video games of all time, and you could definitely go check that episode out. Mm-hmm. We also had a couple of great clips sent to us on their favorite games from Charlie Skywalker at Star Wars Through the Ages and Roe at the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. So here are those clips. Hope you enjoy. You asked a very cool question on what was the best Star Wars video game. There have been lots of really good ones. In my opinion... Star Wars Forced Unleashed 1 and 2. I mean, it's a series. You kind of have to lump them together. They just have so much that a a player can do in there, whether they choose the light side or the dark side. Multiple takes, multiple angles. Unfortunately, it is now stricken as Legends, but it is an awesome legend as it is. 
What's up, listeners and friends of Coruscant Radio Underground? This is Ro from the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast, and I wanted to weigh in on my favorite Star Wars games. So I'm not much of a gamer, but I do enjoy a good Star Wars game, just like the next guy. When I was in high school, there was a drugstore down the street with one of those sit-in Star Wars consoles where you sit in the cockpit and you pretend to be in an X-Wing and fly down the trench of the Death Star and try to use the Force, Luke, and destroy the TIE Fighters and Death Stars. That game pretty much ruined me because it was my first and very much like the old Tron stand-up console. It, uh, it is the benchmark for how I enjoy games from a pure nostalgic standpoint. Obviously, cut to decades later, the graphics have gotten a lot better through games like Star Wars Battlefront and VR games like my other favorite, Vader Immortal. I'm not that good at first-player games, especially Battlefront. There's so many buttons and weapons to choose from. But games like the Oculus Vader Immortal is an epically immersive experience. My favorite part is when you're sitting there and the door lifts and you see that familiar shape. As it gets closer, you hear the breath and feel those heavy footsteps that get closer and closer. Damn, you are face-to-face with one of the most recognizable badasses in modern cinematic history, Lord Darth Vader. I think that's my favorite Star Wars game, and I can't wait for more. So, from the low-tech Star Wars game that uses traced line graphics to the -the state-of-the-art gaming VR games like Vader Immortal, there's been many games that we've been blessed by. Thank you, George, for creating this universe for all of us to play in. May the Force be with you guys. See you on the beaches of Scarif. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Thanks for the clips, guys, and please, please, please go give these guys a follow and give their shows a listen. That's at Star Wars Through the Ages and the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. And we'll have some other topics like that coming up, but I think we're done unless you had something else you wanted to add. No, I think I've run out of things to say. Okay, well, where can people find you online? You can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore padawans. Um, princessesandpadawans.com and I'm on Twitter as P Padawans. And I'm Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at crew underscore podcast at C-R-U underscore podcast. You can find me at the sciencefictionary.com. You can drop us a line at underground at gmail.com. You can also find us on our other show over at the Science Fictionary Podcast. Marisha and I are both on that show along with Daniel Peoples and David Peoples. And that is also a weekly show, and we'd love for you to check that one out. And until next week, may the force be with you.